Welcome to Empowering Business Women by Brenda Regiman. This program will focus on all aspects of women-owned businesses from a financial education standpoint. Get ready to learn about resources you can use for loans, tax advantages, real estate, and leadership. Now, here's your host, Brenda Regiman. Welcome to Empowering Business Women with Brenda Regiman. We are Facebook Live. Please like our page, BD Tax and Finance Group, and you can also friend me at Brenda Regimen. Today, we will be discussing about how women-owned small businesses can get certified for governmental contract opportunities. Our guest speaker is Mike Tremor, Program Director for the California Capital PTAC. Mike will give us the insights in small businesses preparation to pursue governmental uh, contracts. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, Mike, tell us about yourself and about your experience with businesses. Sure. Um, I currently am a program director for, as you mentioned, the Procurement Technical Assistance Center at California Capital. Um, prior to that, I've worked with uh, another procurement technical assistance center in Northern California. Um, and prior to that, worked for a group called Women Impacting Public Policy, uh, where I did advocacy work on the women-owned small business program in Washington, D.C. and cities throughout the, the nation in coordination with uh, the SBA and other government agencies. Um, I'm also a former Peace Corps volunteer. I have, I have a two-year-old daughter and um, yeah, I appreciate being able to help small businesses succeed. That's amazing. So you do have a intensive background, especially I heard that you work with a, a women-owned business before, prior to the California Capital. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Okay, that's uh, wonderful. Yeah, before that, I uh, I developed a national training program for women uh, federal contractors on. Uh, various aspects of contracting with federal agencies, okay. but also with the Women-Owned Small Business Program as it was coming out um, and becoming a program, um, we helped make sure that it was implemented as robustly as possible. I see. Uh, can you tell us what California Capital PTAC means? Sure. Uh, California Capital PTAC, or Procurement Technical Assistance Center, is a center that is funded in part through a cooperative agreement with the Defense Logistics Agency uh, to provide government contracting assistance to small businesses within our region. We're part of a nationwide network of PTACs, um, so wherever you're located in, in the United States, there's a PTAC available to assist you. Okay, how long has this program been around? Um, the, the whole program has been around since the 1980s, early 80s, uh, when it was started. And uh, there's currently, I believe, over 100 PTACs throughout the country. Wow, that's a lot. And I can tell you that not a lot of people still don't know about this. You know, so that's the reason why we have you here today, because we want to know how can women own small businesses take advantage of these programs that are out there. And I know that as we were discussing before I show, uh, there's other programs that are involved that you, we could probably, you know, talk about today, but we will do it after, you know, we cover the certification requirements on this specific one. So um, knowledge is empowerment, and that's the reason why we're doing this today. Can you tell us what the requirements are? Sure. Um, well, it's important to note, first of all, that to be a woman-owned small business, you have to be a small business. Okay. Uh, small is part of it. So uh, large women-owned small businesses are not eligible, or large women-owned businesses are not eligible. Um, however, if you're a small business, which means that 
within your industry, you fit under the size standard. There's a threshold for how much money you can make. Okay. Uh, you will be considered a small business. Um, you also, to be a woman-owned small business, have to be at least 51% directly owned mm -hmm. by a woman or women in the business, and those women or single women has to control the day-to-day -day operations of okay. the business as well as long-term decision-making for okay. the business. Um, there's an additional requirement of economic disadvantage for certain industries. Mm -hmm. um, so just be aware that depending on the industry you're in, there may be an economic disadvantage requirement as well. Just to give a brief overview of that, mm -hmm. um, it's there are thresholds for your personal net worth your personal assets and income. They're, they're rather high, uh, so, so most people do qualify for that. That's wonderful. Uh, let me ask you something. You mentioned that it has to be 51 uh, percentage control, right, or owned by, by these uh, women. What happens when they're sole proprietors? How would they be able to show that uh, they're controlling the business? Well, as a sole proprietor, um, you, you're likely the 100% owner okay. of the business. And so um, you, you would qualify for the program under that. As long as you're the only owner. But That's what correct. if the husband is involved? Would they have some documentation they have to provide or would they just be disqualified or what? how would that work? Um, well, there may be some... Um, that, that's a good question. The if, if a husband and wife are mm -hmm. working together within a business, you do have to provide evidence that the woman is truly in control. Okay. This can be um, related to the resume mm -hmm. and experience mm -hmm. of the woman in question, mm -hmm. and, and as well as the husband who may have different professional licenses, okay. things like that. You're going to be uploading a number of documents in order to, um, to gain entrance into the program. Um, so those will kind of flesh out where the experience in the business is and who is really because running. the husband could be just assisting or maybe yeah, exactly. you know like like an every good husband right he will be assisting or making sure that that person is um you know being effective at business uh, mm -hmm. but, or supporting but if this person if this husband has other jobs and we that that kind of clarifies that this person is not in control. So that would be a good way of showing it. Yeah, and each individual situation is different. Mm -hmm. So it's just a matter of looking at your individual situation. I recommend going and talking to somebody like a procurement technical assistance center. Mm -hmm. uh, we have counselors who help, okay. and we can guide them through the uh, individual requirements of the program and look at how it pertains to them. I see. Uh, so that means that it doesn't have to be necessarily incorporated or an LLC. Sole proprietors do qualify as long as they can show that this person is in control. Now, the other question I have for you is you mentioned size. It has to be a small business size and it has to have a, a limitation of maybe gross revenue. Mm -hmm. um, for that, do you happen to have a number or it depends on each industry? Well, it's determined by industry, which is defined by NAICS codes, mm -hmm. N-A-I-C-S, or North American Industry Classification mm -hmm. System codes. Um, those are governed by the census okay. department. And and so based on the NAICS codes, they're going to tell you two things. One, are you a small business? And the size standards um, are available in a table. You can look them up. Um, and it's either going to be the number of employees 
or the um, revenues of the business. Um, another requirement of this program, because this program is specifically for federal contracts, mm -hmm. is that you're registered in the central database called SAM, or the System for Award Management. Okay. And when, when registering in SAM, by entering this information, it's going to determine, based on the NAICS codes you choose and the size of your business by those metrics, mm -hmm. whether or not you're a small business. So that certification, that general small business certification, mm -hmm. is um, a self-certification that is, that is a part of your registration to do business. So you'll know coming out of that registration process okay. whether or not you're a small business. Um, most people do qualify, especially if you're just starting out. Mm -hmm. I think some of the smallest size standards are like 3.5 million in annual revenues, okay. um, but they can go up as high as 35 million and higher. I see. Um, and then, um, oh, there's one other point I was going to make, but I'm sure we'll get to it. Okay, <laughs> of course. Um, let's see. I know that there's an examination process, and maybe it's not necessarily an exam, but can you explain to us what that means? Because I was reading and I found examination. Oh, okay. So at the same time, I was thinking, okay, we really have to be, you know, study something and pass the examination. But then I was reading farther, and it's not necessarily that. Can you clarify that for me? Yeah, yeah. And uh, just to pick up on the point I forgot a moment mm -hmm. ago, um, when you do register in SAM, there's a box to check that says we're on small business. And actually, that's the first step of, of, of certifying is you have to check that box when you're registering. So it, pretty much you have, you're pretty much saying, I'm not lying. Right. Yeah, right. You're just certifying to the <laughs> okay. fact that you're a okay. small business. Um, and then the next step is to go to a website. It's certify.sba.gov. And you create an account there. Mm -hmm. And you're going to answer some questions and upload a number of documents. Okay. Um, when you talk about examination, it is a self-certification. Mm -hmm. And the way that the program is structured is mm -hmm. that um, once you upload those documents, you are then certified. There's a form to fill out, and then you're certified as a woman-owned small business. It's self, okay. as I mentioned, self-certification. However, when you're actually going to um, engage in a contract um, and, or responding to a solicitation, the contracting officer who's managing that process mm -hmm. has a responsibility of examining your documents to make sure that you indeed are a woman-owned small business, that they're, mm. that the documents have been uploaded and that they're complete. So what you're saying is that before they even award you a contract, they have to make sure on their side that you are a woman business owner. Correct. And, and they have to look at these documents that you provided from the beginning. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the documents that you have housed in what's called the WSB program repository mm -hmm. um, will be there and available to the contracting officer. Sometimes you have to check a box to let them let them go in and look at it, mm -hmm. um, and then they're going to just make sure, just a check to make sure that all your documents are uploaded, um, because what they're doing there is is they're creating a woman-owned small business set-aside contract. Mm. We'll tell you more about those. Mm -hmm. We'll talk more about those. Um, but 
in order for them to set aside the contract without fear of that getting protested by another bidder and perhaps throwing that into question, mm-hmm. um, they're signing off with their own name that you indeed are a certified small woman. Wow. Small okay. So that takes me to the next question because if these documents are so important, it means that they have to be legal documents. And, you know, I was surprised to see actually to read that it have to be your personal financial statements, but also they included tax returns. Correct. That's amazing. I, you know, I see that everyone needs tax returns for pretty much every legal procedure, but I never thought that contractors and the federal side, they will be expecting you to have those tax returns. So what if you don't have those um, done or, I mean, you're not ready to present those, that means that you're not even ready to go ahead and try to certify yourself. Yes, that's correct. Um, You know, there are some exceptions where perhaps you didn't make income in certain years and weren't required to pay taxes. Okay. Um, This happens a lot with our veteran certification program if if someone's coming out of service. Mm -hmm. But um, across the board for these certification programs, um, providing both the business tax records and personal tax records for mm-hmm. the past three years of the business owners that are applying to the program mm-hmm. is, a, is going to be a requirement. So if you were incorporated, you still have to provide your personal tax returns? Correct. Wow. Because the individual owner as a woman mm-hmm. is applying to the program as a woman-owned small business. So so that you need to provide evidence of you as the owner of the business mm-hmm. um, meeting the requirements of the program, and that's part of it. Okay, so what happens when you have a joint venture? Is that a that's tricky a, question? That's a good question. Well, it's a it's a question with a long answer. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you form a joint venture um, in pursuit of a contract, um, uh, it can allow you to create a new and separate entity for the purpose of pursuing a contract. Mm-hmm. But um, in, in context of women-owned small business, um, it's governed by what's called similarly situated entities. Okay. Um, so to be a woman-owned small business and then to form a joint venture that would also qualify as a woman-owned small business, generally you would need to, um, those would both need to be women-owned small businesses so that you're representing that 51% owner of the business. There are some exceptions to this. Mm-hmm. Um, there is uh, the potential of mentor-protege agreements, mm-hmm. most recently through the all-small mentor-protege program, um, which allows, for instance, a woman-owned small business to uh, work with a large business. Okay. Um, and that large business provides some assistance to the women-owned small business as part of the agreement. Mm-hmm. But in exchange, they have the possibility of setting up a joint venture that would qualify as a women-owned small business and allow that large business to essentially subcontract I or see. rather team with, with that um, women-owned small business to pursue work they wouldn't normally be able to go after. Okay. Uh, before we go on break, I need to ask you this. So what if... Uh, I am a reseller and I still want to get certified. Would that be possible? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, that, I, I didn't have that clear. And I also know that there's two uh, ways of uh, getting certified. You mentioned one, self-certification, but there's also 
I learned that there was a third-party certification. Can you tell us about that before we go on break? That's right. Yeah, if you don't want to do the certification yourself, there are third-party certifiers. Um, specifically, there's four of them. They have to be approved by the SBA. Okay. Um, currently, those are the El, ha El Paso Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, NABOC, which is the National Women Business mm -hmm. Owners Corporation, mm -hmm. Women's Chamber of Commerce, and Women Business Enterprise National Council, or WeBank. So that means not everybody's capable of doing this. You have to be certified by DSBA? To be a third-party certifier, yes, you have to be approved by the SBA. And they are able to do this for a fee, correct? Correct. Okay, because I was um, wondering, I saw the list and it was not that big. Mm -hmm. So that means that uh, SBA is really picky of who they certified. Yeah, it's been the same four since the uh, since the beginning of the program, mm -hmm. um, and it's remained those four. Um, self certification is an option. I do want to mention that you know if you if you do things um, if yourself, mm -hmm. whether it's registering in SAM and and uh, getting certified. Uh, there are options to do it at no cost to you other right. than your own time. Right. Um, but for an added level of um, assistance or even assurance that your documentation is going to be correct, you can go to one of those third-party certifiers. Okay, but what do you see uh, most people doing? Do they go to third parties because they're afraid that they cannot complete this process on their own? Or mm. do you see them trying well, do it on their own. from my perspective, most of the people who come to the PTAC are coming to self-certify because they would be going elsewhere if they were going to use another provider. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I don't know if I can answer that question writ large. Okay. But you know, in our experience, we see a lot of women-owned small businesses who come to us to pursue mm -hmm. self-certification. Because you you provide counselors, like you were mentioning, you provide counselors, you provide the information, the necessary mm -hmm. information for them to be able to do this on their own. Uh, on top of that, is free right yes okay that's wonderful thank you Mike we're gonna go on a short break and when we come back we will hear more about Mike Tremor business experience uh, friend me on Facebook as Brenda Regimen or like our business page at BD tax and finance group if you have any questions you can always message us we'll be right back thanks Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you're having tax problems, are getting IRS letters, or experiencing a tax audit, call 916-476-3244 for a tax consultation with your host, Brenda Regimond. Brenda is a tax expert based in Sacramento, California. You can contact Brenda Regiment by phone or email at 916-476-3244 or Brenda at bdtaxfinancegroup.net. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. 
In your business, are you on top of your PR game? PR is what tells your story. Whether it's the business itself, key people in your business, or showing your best face to the public, listen for the brand ambassadors. Host Merritt Hamilton Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield will discuss effective presentation ideas, building your personal brand, risk management, crisis communication, and more. Focus your business goals and PR resources. Listen live Fridays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Empowering Business Women. To reach Brenda Regimond on today's show, call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, you can send it to Brenda at bdtaxfinancegroup.net. Now back to Empowering Business Women by Brenda Regimond. Welcome back to the show and Facebook Live. Don't forget to friend me on Facebook at Brenda Regimen. We have been talking to Mike Tremor and how to get certified for government contract opportunity. Um, Mike, let's recap a little bit. Uh, I know that we've been talking about how to get certified, but I also have a question for you. What does set aside contracts mean? It's um, a good question. Uh, the federal government, and, and I just want to point out, this is the Women-Owned Small Business Program is a federal contracting program, meaning, okay. meaning it's eligible for, you know, with the Women-Owned Small Business Program, you'd be eligible for women-owned small business set-asides on federal agency contracts. The Cal- state of California or other states, um, local entities and municipalities may have completely different requirements and different certifications. So I just want to clarify, there's a federal program Mm -hmm. Um, and part of that is the federal government uses what are called set-asides. They have these general rules that they have to encourage among other things integrity, competition, and fairness um, in the procurement process that they have which means they have to basically as a baseline put everything out into open competition Mm -hmm. for anybody to bid on and make public notice. Um, However, they have a legal mechanism called a set-aside, mm-hmm. which will allow them to restrict uh, the competition only to certain categories of business, for instance, small business or mm-hmm. women-owned small business. So only those companies can apply to that, that, uh, that opportunity. Um, in addition, they'll also put out things like sources sought notices or okay. other kinds of market research efforts mm-hmm. in order to locate small or women-owned small businesses who might be able to compete in them. Um, in order for them to set aside that contract, they need to have the reasonable expectation that at least two businesses within that category are going to apply so that there's still some kind of competition. In I see. I see. So. Just to give you an example, and it might not be accurate, but for people to understand is that the government does set aside this contract. So maybe out of 100 that are available, maybe two or three could be set aside for uh, women business owned, correct? Just to give you an example. I know that this is not accurate at all. Correct. Um, as a matter of fact, I was just reviewing one today um, for a job order contract for the Navy that was a uh, 
three-year indefinite quantity contract uh, for facility maintenance and construction efforts that are yet to be determined. Um, and it was a set-aside for a women-owned small business. I mean, only women-owned small businesses are going to be able to apply for that. Wow. Wow, see, there's, sorry, there's so much that it's out there that we still don't know. Um, let's see. So what happens when I finally become certified? What do I need to do next? How do I know what is available for me, especially with those set-aside contracts? Mm-hmm. Um, well, certification is just the first step. It's, or, or, or I should say, it's it's the icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know you have to bring your capabilities to the table, um, so that so that you are there as a business ready to do work, mm-hmm. and then figure out how this is a lot simpler than it sounds, mm-hmm. but figure out how that work can benefit certain agencies' requirements. Mm-hmm. So, so. Unlike the commercial market, mm-hmm. um, in the commercial market, you can sort of build it and they will come, right, right if you're right. trying to get customers. At the at the federal level or at any government, really, they're going to issue requirements mm-hmm. and you need to respond to those requirements. Okay. So they're, they're putting out an RFQ or an RFP um, and you're issuing a proposal or quote in response to that. Um, and being responsive to the requirements within that uh, solicitation is very important. Um, so, so it means that we have homework to do. After the certification, we'd have homework to do, meaning that as a business owner, I still have to go find out about this particular uh, opportunity and see what they need from me. Correct. Okay. Correct. And the other thing that's different from the commercial market is that this is all public information. So there are databases that you can look up 30 years worth of past wow. contract data that's all okay. public information. You can file Freedom of Information Act requests in order to see examples of past contracts. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, you'll be able to find pricing data um, for, for past contracts okay. so that you can better estimate how much you're going to come in with your bid. Um, so there's there's a lot of resources out there you can take advantage of to mm-hmm. do that. Is it legal to say that I can go to my neighbor and say, how much are you bidding for? <laughs> I know this is it's just a question that came to my mind, but I actually, I, I was just remembering that I had a client a long time ago that did that, and I didn't understand what he was doing, but he mentioned it. So just popped up in my mind and said, oh, this is what he was doing. It was probably another, you know, um, program, but can people do that? Well, there's there's a... They shouldn't, There's right? a fine line between that. Yeah, I mean, if you if you just happen to, to be talking to your next door neighbor about mm-hmm. something like that, I don't mm-hmm. know. But um, but if if you were both bidding on something, two, two businesses bidding on something, and you decided to collude on that bid, um, that's not okay. That's, it's not okay. That okay, that's what I wanted to hear. Yeah. yeah, it's a federal program. You know, what else can you expect? Everything has to go by the rules. Um, let's see. Okay, so let's talk about business economic uh, struggles and challenges. Do you see more people interested in these programs now than before or vice versa? I mean, what, what, what is it that you've seen in the last two years? Is there more people finding out about these programs or do we really need to 
take this information out there a lot more and make sure that people understand that there's so much available to them. This is a great opportunity and, and you know, believe it or not, you get a contract this kind. We're talking about maybe two, five years contract. So that means it's, the revenue will be there. But going back to the question is, uh, in this economy, are you experiencing more people interested in the program or no? Um, I can't say that I've seen an uptick in, in people interested, but there has been a constant interest in this program over the course of the years. I've been working on it since 2009. Okay. Um, there, you know, it's, it's, one that we're starting to see more traction on in certain ways because we're seeing more set-asides coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been ups and downs. Um, but the government writ large has a 5% goal of giving contracts, set-aside contracts to women-owned small businesses. Okay. So, um, which seems like a pretty low number. But it's not. <laughs> but, I can imagine that it's, it's a big one. But it's not. They've had trouble yeah. meeting those goals in the past where, um, you know, it depends on the agency, but most of them come in just around that 5%. Um, so that is part of a larger 23% goal for the entire government to contract with small businesses. Mm-hmm. But that's still a pretty big piece of the pie mm-hmm. um, to when you think about the gov- federal government being the largest purchaser of goods right. and services in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they do purchase a lot. And in California alone, um, we see about $50 billion worth of federal contracts oh my per goodness. year come into our state. Uh, we're the second biggest uh, in terms of contracting dollars. after. And birth. they're still not being met? So we are lacking of applicants or certifications? There are some challenges to the implementation of the Women-Owned Small Business Program. Uh, perhaps it's because not as many people are certified that should be. Mm-hmm. Also... Um, as we talked about earlier, the requirement for contracting officers to vet those um, those contractors can be a deterrent to them use, utilizing the program and creating those set-asides. Mm-hmm. Um, not trying to get on my policy mm-hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> trip about this, but, um, but that is something that within the implementation of the program has made it... Um, a little more difficult than some of the other programs to to implement. I see. Um, and uh, what industries have you experienced? Uh, well, actually, maybe what the question should be is, what contracts are available for certain industries? What are the industries that uh, maybe we should be interested in? Is it construction one of them? Construction's one of them. Okay. Um, really... If you're looking to do business with the federal government or even state or local governments, mm-hmm. um, the federal government buys almost everything. It's a question of figuring out how much and how often and from who. Okay. Uh, generally, construction is a, a big one. Um, there are a lot of construction dollars coming out this year. Um, IT is a big one. With, IT? Yeah. Okay. We, we even see... Um, I've been seeing exploratory solicitations for new technologies like the use of drones, the use of wow. um, augmented reality. For mm-hmm. instance, Department of Transportation was doing a study on how augmented reality could do be done for infrastructure assessments and repairs. Um, but a lot of other really common things like landscaping, um, the custodial work, mm-hmm. um, 
manage management consulting is a mm-hmm. huge one. Okay. Uh, training and facilitation, um, public relations campaigns that need. What about staff consulting or, or staff? Uh, what is it? Hiring. Like staff the staffing services. Yeah. yeah, staffing is a very big one. Um, and a lot of staffing firms will specialize, say, in medical or IT or different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing is that there's just a lot of opportunities out there. And in general, the government tends to be risk averse. Mm-hmm. And so they prefer somebody who can do one thing or a couple things and do it really right. well. Right. Rather than somebody who can come to them and say, hey, what do you need? I can do it all. Exactly. Right. And you know what? Believe it or not, everybody's wishing for one thing only just because you could be a multitasker. But... What if you don't get everything done correctly, right? right. So we rather have a specialty and mm-hmm. make sure that you're the best at it. Yeah, like it. businesses with niche products and services tend to do well um, with the government as long as they can define that value proposition. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, um, there are a lot of new startups who will look for an avenue that works for them. Mm-hmm. And what I see is a lot of successful companies as they go down that road okay. are going to further specify their offerings mm-hmm. based on what they're finding the market is is asking for. I see. And, and that's, that's true on the commercial side as well as mm-hmm. in the government. Absolutely. Yeah, we live it every day. Um, I was going to ask you, okay, you mentioned before that there's other programs. So let me ask you something. What if this person is a business owner, but is not necessarily qualified for a small business? Is there any other programs that you can mention that, they, you know, will be a good fit for this business? Yeah. Um, well, we're talking about a federal program. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at states, each state has their own certification programs okay. in California. You can certify as a small business or or a disabled veteran uh, business enterprise. Those are the two certifications available. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a Department of Transportation. Uh, they call it a unified certification program. I, I like to refer to it. This is just my own pet name for it, but I call it an interstate um, program uh, because it's a federal Department of Transportation program. It's called Disadvantaged Business Enterprise, or DBE. Um, but it's used for projects that are jointly funded between states and federal. Okay. Um, so, so you're looking at like Caltrans, airport concessions, and other kinds of um, DOT-related operations. Um, Caltrans being one of the bigger ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you get that certification by going through Caltrans. I see. You can also go to other agencies. I don't want to leave the other ones out. You can also go to, I think, BART and a few other transportation organizations in Southern California also. And do you have access as a business owner to these contracts that are available after certification? Or you have to go through the certification first and then find out what's available to you? Well, there's two steps to working with any government entity that you can really boil it down to. First, register. Mm-hmm. You got to be registered. You got to provide them with your information so you're a vendor to that agency. To see that you're legit, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the next is certifying to take advantage of any of the certification programs you qualify for. Um, but it's not necessary. Okay. It's not necessary to be certified, but it can help. Okay. As I mentioned with set-asides, there are um, these restricted competitions that if you're not certified, you won't be able to bid on. Mm-hmm. Um, with the state government... 
as a small business, you actually get a 5% pricing preference, meaning in the evaluation of their bid, you're going to get a 5% advantage over a large business that's wow. pricing it out. That's uh, big. Yeah, yeah, it's it is, and and there are there are other programs that exist like that at different local levels and things like that. Okay, so your recommendation first is to go and go ahead and and register yourself, and this registration could be on the website, or you recommend to come to your um, to California Capital and talk to a counselor. What's the best way to do it? Well, some people can can just go on and and do it themselves and figure it out. Um, we are here. To help when you have questions, mm-hmm. um, and that covers everything from registrations and certifications through to other issues you might come across, interpretation of the regulations, um, individual solicitations that you're planning to respond to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can do an evaluation of it, help you come to a bid no bid decision, or help you shape the proposal that you're putting together, mm-hmm. do reviews of that kind of thing. Um, but one of the most common things that people come to us for is for market research and marketing assistance because you need to be able to find where those opportunities are. Mm-hmm. And we provide, one of the things we provide is a bid match system. So this is actually a, a program that we get from a vendor that we ha- we have. Um, and we pass those licenses on at no cost to our clients. I see. It aggregates based on a profile we have set up for you, uh, for what you specifically do. It, it'll aggregate across uh, federal, state, and local opportunities nationwide uh, or narrowed down to the geographic region you want um, to basically what it'll do is it'll deliver a list of those opportunities to you and it creates a custom URL um, so that you can view the past 30 days of opportunities um, to run through them. I see. Uh, before we go on break, I would like to ask, uh, do you see minority contracts or actually minority business owned applying or registering for the certifications or are we underrepresented? Um, there is an underrepresented of, of women and minorities in the government contracting market and there are programs that can help with that. One of the most significant is the 8A program. Okay. Um, very good program. It's a nine-year business development program which carries a, a requirement of economic disadvantage and social disadvantage. And social disadvantage is easily provable by minorities. If, if you are not a minority, you can hold out uh, such things as gender or a handicap that have limited your access to oh, really? education, employment, or um, or business mm-hmm. uh, in order, but that is a very high threshold to prove. Otherwise, the 8A program can be a very big um, a benefit to a, a small minority firm. Um, it's uh, you got to be in business for two years, but okay. once you're in, and then once you're in it, you can only be in it for nine years. Mm-hmm. But it it really allows for some things beyond set aside contracts. Mm-hmm. It actually allows for what's called sole source contracts. I see. Meaning a federal agency can identify you, and give you a contract, um, without any competition. Wow, that's very interesting. We're going to go back to that subject when we come back, okay? We need to take a short break, and when we come back, we will be discussing more about governmental contracting opportunities. Don't forget to friend me on Facebook at Brenda Regiment, Instagram, or LinkedIn. We will be right back. Thanks. 
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you are having tax problems, are getting IRS letters, or experiencing a tax audit, call 916-476-3244 for a tax consultation with your host, Brenda Regiment. Brenda is a tax expert based in Sacramento, California. You can contact Brenda Regiment by phone or email at 916-476-3244 or Brenda at bdtaxfinancegroup.net. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Empowering Business Women. To reach Brenda Regimond on today's show, call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. If you'd rather send an email, you can send it to Brenda at bdtaxfinancegroup.net. Now back to Empowering Business Women by Brenda Regimond. Uh, we are back to the show on Facebook Live. We are in the last segment of the hour, and Matt Chairman has been uh, collaborating with a lot of good information. So, uh, Mike, let me ask you, what happens when a business has been certified through the program and it already picked up a contract, everything looks good, but maybe for whatever reason later in the future, they decide to restructure the company. Maybe they go in from a sole prop to incorporation. Mm-hmm. What what happens? What do we need to do? What do we need to know? Uh, that's a good question. So if, it's always good to, um, if you're planning to, uh, say, move from a sole proprietor to an LLC Mm -hmm. or some other kind of business change, it's always a good idea to anticipate that to the best uh, degree possible. Mm -hmm. So let's say you are planning to certify as a woman-owned small business, but you know in six months that you're going to be uh, adjusting the structure of your business. Right. Um, It might be a better idea to hold off on that certification until Mm -hmm. you've structured the business in in the way that it's going to be, um, rather than certify then have to go through this again. So, so when you do this though, if you're, if you're certified under, first of all, if you're registered in SAM, Mm -hmm. you have to update that information within SAM. Um, 
once again, that's a system for award management. And uh, I do want to point out just a quick note because mm-hmm. this is my public service announcement. Mm-hmm. If you're going to any of these programs online and you're searching for it and you come across someone trying to charge you for the service, oh. uh, say for SAM registration, mm-hmm. it is a free registration. We run into people all the time who have uh, paid for it inadvertently almost. And, oh, wow. and so okay. they come to us. So, so I just want to, you can always pay somebody to do things for you. I mean, there's plenty but, of people uh, out there. But not on money. your behalf, right? They need to <laughs> yeah. know that it's not coming from you. Correct. Yeah, yeah. They would have to do it as a third party. And, and it's, it's just, I want people to know that it, there is no cost to it because there can be some misleading information out there online. Um, so if you're going to register, you can do it at no cost to yourself. Okay. Um, but when you're, uh, if you are restructuring restructuring your business and you already have, uh, you've already re- certified, even if you already have a contract, it is important to know that you have to go back in to Sam and to the Women-Owned Small Business Repository and change the documentation within that. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be other contract requirements on an individual contract based on that change. Oh, wow. So, like, okay. informing the contracting officer of that change mm-hmm. to your business, and then they would um, take whatever actions necessary. To so keep- maybe the first thing you want to do, not only plan, okay, mm-hmm. plan this accordingly, but consult with you or your counselors before you make a change. Then you also have to see if the contract, like you said, there might be other requirements with this contract if you were to change or restructure your company. So they probably want to also uh, consult with the officer that is giving them the contract to see if the change is even worth it. Because well, if, what if there's so many things that will pop up all of a sudden and you can lose that contract? Is sure. that possible? Um, it is possible. Um, but basically, um, if you're if you're changing the structure of your business, um, do it is a good idea to go talk to somebody like mm-hmm. a PTAC because we're not we would be outside of that contract agreement and be able to perhaps give some advice on mm-hmm. how to proceed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't want to get into speculation about someone's individual circumstance with a contracting officer and things like that, um, but uh, you know. In general, you know, if you get a contract and say it's a woman-owned small business set aside and you're operating under that, but then in the performance of that contract, you somehow become no longer a woman-owned small business, Mm -hmm. um, the award still pertains to the woman-owned small business Mm -hmm. that won the award in the first place. So so you wouldn't get knocked out of it just because of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, you wouldn't want that to, you wouldn't want to be adjusting your business structure every time you get a contract right, to right. become one out and then, you know, have, bring in somebody else's mm-hmm. owner that, that stops you from And don't tell me you see that a lot. I hope not. No, I've never actually heard of it. I just okay, ran through in my head like, oh, that could be. <laughs> yeah, we don't, <laughs> I don't want to we that hope idea. that people really take their time to, you know, consult before they make a big change right, like that, yeah, right? Absolutely. Um, I, I do have a question. So what happens if a contract works to be revoked? Can you give us an example? I don't know if you have any experiences of people that get, get revoked on contracts because something happened. What is it that they didn't deliver? Mm. Or what did, did not come through that that happened to them? Well, speaking specifically of the federal government, they have the option to terminate contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, they have... 
um, they retain that right as part of contracting generally, mm-hmm. um, but they could terminate for convenience, oh, which isn't right. a which isn't such a. I mean, it's not a great thing to lose the contract, but right. but it doesn't have an adverse effect on you as a business. However, if you were terminated for cause, um, uh, as an example, you would that indicates that there was something you did in the performance of that work. Or, or lack of performance of that work mm. that they are choosing then to to terminate the agreement. Um, ultimately, if you if you have performance issues like that, your business can be debarred and no longer eligible to receive any more contracts. I see. Um, so you kind of get blacklisted if you if you end up, you know. So it's more like a penalty. When you say the bar is like a penalty, it's like, uh, do they get you out of the system completely or can you uh, be penalized for a certain amount of time and come back to it later? Um, once you become debarred, um, you cannot get contracts anymore. I, I believe there is a statute of limitations on that. I, I'd have to look it up. I okay. don't know it off the top of my head. Okay. I'm sure we can find that out later too. Um, so is this the same with the state or just federal? Um, you can definitely get into trouble with any agency mm-hmm. you're contracting with. I wanted with. to hear that. The, yeah. the main thing is to is to make sure that when you're signing a contract, you're you know know that you're agreeing to work that is to be performed. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you stop work on that contract, you're at fault. It doesn't matter if you can't afford to pay your people. It doesn't matter. You're a if, contract. You have to deliver. You, that's right. They expect if you sign off on a contract. They expect you to be able to have the the financial responsibility and resources mm-hmm. to to perform the work and and essentially wait mm-hmm. until until you get paid by the terms of the contract. Let me ask you: Do they go into their finances to see? Because I, I just remember, you know, one of my clients was doing this a long time ago again, and he had to show his finances. To, mm-hmm. They wanted to know if he was capable of, you know, delivering the contract yeah. because you just said something important. It doesn't matter if you can't pay your people. You still have to deliver, right? So that's what they were looking at. They were mm-hmm. looking at the capacity of finances. Mm-hmm. So do they look at this from the beginning or I don't know. What, what? Uh, yeah, it depends on the contract. There's a lot of different kinds of contracts out there. Some of them are just small supply orders. Mm-hmm. Some of them are, are really large, you know, contracts that are multiple years so it really depends on the requirements of the individual contract it really comes down to reading the solicitation mm-hmm. and understanding what you're signing off on before you do it okay there are a lot it's it's fraught with dangers if you just take any contract that comes to you mm-hmm. you have to really think about which ones you want to bid on and which ones you don't because some of them if you bid a certain amount or if your pricing is not uh, represented correctly, mm-hmm. you could potentially lose money on that, but still have to perform the work. So, um, you know, it's studying the contract is diligence. a must. It has absolutely, to be done. Absolutely. And would you, uh, would your center provide this assistance, or is the business owner on its own reading the contract? Mm-hmm. Would you be able to sit down with that business owner and do that, or you guys don't do that? Let me tell you what we don't do. Okay. Um, 
we don't provide legal advice. We're not, okay. we're not lawyers, mm -hmm. right? Um, and we don't advocate on behalf of any one business in the procurement process. Okay. So, so you know, you could come to me tomorrow, and your competitor could also come to me the next day, looking at the same contract. Mm -hmm. Anything that we discuss is going to be confidential mm -hmm. between our, ourselves and the clients. Right. Um, but we will provide all of the information that we can about about the requirements, the rules. What to think about, what to how to plan and right. and do you suggest that this if this contract is something very big, which most of them are, I'm pretty sure, would you suggest that this person consult with an attorney before they bind in a contract or do you think it's not necessary? It depends it on depends. the size of the contract. Okay. I mean, there are some, you know, know some of the regulatory, you know, know the FAR, mm -hmm. um, not all 1,700 pages or whatnot of it, but mm -hmm. but know the clauses that apply to you and that are in the in the contract and understand what you're signing off on, um, because you can just get into trouble for non-compliance with certain issues. Um, for instance, prevailing wage is a big one. Um, if you're going to be uh, working for a government entity mm -hmm. and you're providing certain services, prevailing wage requirements are going to be in place, which means you have to pay a minimum wage. That's not just minimum wage. It's a specific list schedule of, of wages based on labor right. um, categories that you have to pay your people. Okay. Uh, I do have a question, and I don't want to close the program before I ask you this. Sure. What if this business owner doesn't have a social security but has an I-10. This mm -hmm. is a federal program and I can pretty much answer my own question, probably won't qualify, but what if there's other programs? Would you tell us about that maybe in the sure. last two minutes that we have available? Yeah, yeah. Um, any any uh, naturalized uh, citizen or, or um, uh, even an immigrant, somebody who's here um, legally residency. Can, has residency, yeah, mm -hmm. can can do contracts with the government. Okay. However, in order to qualify for the small business programs, um, you have to be a U.S. citizen. Okay. Uh, there are other programs. Um, I believe the DBE program that I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm that allows for any legal resident to apply to it. Mm -hmm. There's also a minority business enterprise, MBE, mm -hmm. and a women business enterprise, WBE programs. Okay. Um, those do not necessarily require that you're a, a US citizen. And they are often used for corporate supplier diversity efforts. Mm -hmm. In California, uh, there are a couple of organizations that provide them, just like the third-party certifiers for the WSB program. But in California, we also have a free option um, through the CUCP, California Utility. I don't know how to remember PC. those names. They do very well with that. Okay. Um, CPUC, <laughs> I'm sorry. California Public Utilities Commission. Little blank there um, that that you can get you can go through them to to get your certifications as well. They have some called the supplier clearinghouse, and you do that at no cost. Okay, thank you, Mike. Thank you so much. Uh, very quickly, can you give us your website again? Sure. Uh, it's C A Capital. That's an A in Capital. C A Capital dot org forward slash P T A C P T A C. 
Thank you so much. We really appreciate all the information you brought to our program. Um, I want to thank our audience for tuning in today. Our special guest for next show is the civic leader, Tracy Stafford, Elgro Mayoral candidate, who will be discussing with us the subject of women entrepreneurs driving the economy. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. We will be bringing more business resources to our social media pages. If you have any questions about business tax, please call us at 916-476-3244. Again, this was Brenda Regiman, and I will talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Empowering Business Women by Brenda Regiman. We hope you'll join us for another edition next Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great weekend.